Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Rescue Bots podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm a little baby. I mean, I'm David. That's right. Today's episode is Four Bots and a Baby. Uh, I, I no, hope everybody saw children. like the, the, the ghost that was haunting this episode. No, what? Oh, I forgot the Yeah, book. no, in the, the background, you can totally see what is either a ghost or a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a three... But to be honest, in the brief instance you do see that, it looks like a freaking ghost. Yes. I did not notice that, but that sounds terrifying. I mean, the episode as a whole is kind of terrifying. I mean, I mean he's, well, he's yeah, talking about uh, we'll three men and a baby, episode. not... Yeah. Which is yeah. its own kind of terrifying. Yes. yes. Yeah, it, it's like it, it's well, it's it's a remake of a French farce, but it, it's in this '80s movie era where men are just bizarre and horrible. <laughs> I mean, the funniest thing is the think of it: the three men having to take care of a baby. It's impossible. <laughs> How could they possibly do that? And somehow, there's also like a massive drug deal involved in the movie. Oh, sure. That gets confused with diapers or some shit. It's I don't remember that movie at movie all, and yet I know that, that I watched it as a child in the eighties, and I have a strong feeling it it was one of the many formative moments that eventually convinced me that I did not want to have children. <laughs> I, it was. At, did you believe? Would you believe it was actually the biggest box office hit of nineteen eighty seven? I would believe that. I don't think 1987 had a lot it's of... It's such a strange time. ...great stuff. Yeah. It, it was kind of the dead zone of the 80s. Uh, also, would you believe that it was directed by Transformers veteran Leonard Nimoy? <laughs> I was aware of that, because I am a huge nerd. Yeah, did, did, did he ever direct anything else? Other than, like, one of the... Uh, well, yeah. well, he he directed uh, Star Trek Four. Yeah. Yes. A.K.A. the best one. I'm I'm a Star Trek Six man myself. Um, two is fun. I actually kind of like three, although it's dumb. Oh, which which is Undiscovered Country? Is that six? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, Undiscovered Country yes. is six. That's the one with uh, Christopher, uh, Christopher Plummer. Lloyd. No, Christopher Lloyd Christopher is in Lloyd's Star Trek Three: Search for Spock. Yeah. Oh, okay. which was also directed by Leonard Nimoy. Oh, oh, was it? Okay, so yes. Hmm. That one was also pretty good. Uh, no, it looks like in addition to those, he also directed uh, The Good Mother, which is a di- movie with Diane Keaton and Liam Neeson. Oh. Uh, that sounds boring. And uh, Funny About Love, a romantic comedy uh, starring Gene Wilder and Mary what? Stuart Masterson. I want yeah. to find that one. And also directed um, Holy Matrimony. Uh, starring Patricia Arquette and a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt in his feature film debut. Oh. Mm-hmm. So you're directing yeah, It's about a woman who infiltrates, like, uh, like Mennonites or something to find stolen money or something? Uh, a boyfriend. No. Uh, no. Well, I mean, I think she, well, I think she ends up having to... Oh, she has to marry Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, I suppose they're worse fates. Well, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like eight in the movie, though. Yeah. Oh, that's he, not great. He started acting young. I so was going to say, he's isn't he that young one? Wasn't he like the kid on Third Rock? That's yes. him. 
Well, he was. So yeah, I, I was kind of thinking then, that this like, sounded a little young, but I I was thinking you said fil- feature film debut, so I was thinking, oh, so this was when he was like twenty, but no, I guess I was wrong. Uh no, this is this is in fact pre Third Rock. This is from nineteen ninety four. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. I anyway. don't know. I don't romantic comedy. One episode of T.J. Hooker, just one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nimoy. All right, Jim, I'll direct this one if you'll forget I, that 50 bucks I owe you. I do feel like it's kind of uncharacteristic what? of me for four to be my favorite, but I also gave an impassioned defense of Ghostbusters 2 as the best Ghostbusters movie <laughs> on the uh, RFC Toy Fair live stream. So. I, I, I love lots Sometimes of that Sometimes you, you do just like things that are fun, even if yeah. normally you like everything to be terrible. Yes. Okay, I just, just the Scalari brothers. I gave him the chair. <laughs> yes. I uh, either either I anyway, forgot. Uh, four bots no. and a baby. I'm still on Nimoy. Give me a sec. He apparently he also directed one episode of Deadly Games, which <laughs> uh, our friend which are... Trent has slowly been covering on you, his YouTube uh, Isle of Rangoon series and. Either I've forgotten him mentioning that Leonard Nimoy directed an episode, or he hasn't gotten to that one yet. But wow, watch, watch his Deadly Games review series because it's a TV show that it feels like I should have seen, but somehow didn't see. Mm-hmm. So it feels like Trent lived in a different dimension parallel to our own <laughs> and arrived here with this TV show that never existed and somehow has like. Lots of Star Trek actors, and Christopher Lloyd is the main villain. But it clearly ne- couldn't possibly have been produced by any other time period. Like, it's absolutely from the 90s. Man, maybe he and Lloyd were pals from Star Trek Three. Ooh, maybe. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But it, it's just a series that that where... Well, you still get shit like people misunderstanding how computers work, but the degree to which Deadly Games <laughs> doesn't understand computers, and in particular computer games, is a thing of beauty. <laughs> anyway, this episode... We'll in a series get... where that's the point. Yes. Yes. This the, the point is, Leonard Nimoy directed Three Men and a Baby and is a perfectly good director. Or, you know, yes. was. Yeah. And, and now I'm going to give the, the Vulcan nerve pinch to this conversation. Yes. <laughs> And move us on to Rescue Bots, episode 8, uh, first aired April 14th, 2012, uh, written by Dean Stefan, who previously wrote an episode each of Animated and Prime. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, he wrote uh, SUV, Society of Ultimate Villainy. Ooh, that, that was pretty good. And uh, Speed Metal. Is this his only episode of Rescue Bots? Uh, no, this is his first of eight. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So he settled in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also wrote, uh, uh, also wrote for Extreme Ghostbusters. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, do, do we know which episode? Are you staring uh, at oh, it's, it's you and your Jersey Devil Vendetta. <laughs> I'm wondering it. No, that's a good Jersey Devil episode. 
Which, oh, okay. that's the thing. Sometime for Patreon, we have to do Jersey Devil episodes. <laughs> okay. Just all of them? All Jersey Devil episodes of everything ever? Yeah, because I can think of, like, at least a dozen. Oh, he actually wrote the two-part pilot of Extreme Ghostbusters. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, also seeing here a bunch of episodes of Men in Black, Ooh, the series. probably Jersey Devil. And uh, Mummies Alive. Also oh, on the subject alive, of suspiciously thing. thematically similar uh, cartoon episodes. Well, later in the episode, probably at the end, we will have some discussion of David Wise. Hang in there. Yes. Yes. So we, we open once more with mortal peril. Yeah. There, like, there's, oh, my God. <laughs> Stop. So there's a Brit. Yeah, so there's a bridge out, you know, there's a bridge in uh, Griffin Rock. It has collapsed due to some inclement weather. And once again, that uh, well, you, that you Burt Reynolds in- looking guy. You say inclement weather, but I think Croesus just wandered through and erected another bridge. <laughs> I guess I Jen mean, doesn't if, remember that boss. Yes, that I, I had to play uh, the song from St. Albert, or uh, I had to play Man in Motion to get the timing on that fight correct. Well, I, I, I did it as a max level, so it was kind of easier. But I need is a pair of wheels. I'm, I'm I got sure. knocked into the water every time. I didn't know it was going to happen the first time. It's like, oh, oh I, no. I would occasionally yeah. intentionally hit my push to talk button over our voice chat. Like, going to be a man in motion. All I need is this pair of wheels. <laughs> They're like, okay, come on. No, they they actually, I, I'm I'm charismatic. I can get away with it. Now, see, the, this is where, once again, I'm inspired to tell you about uh, Canadian history. <laughs> yes. Because the song, St. Elmo's Fire, uh, brackets Man in Motion, was inspired by uh, Canadian wheelchair athlete Rick Hansen. Yes. Who uh, who made it from uh, from Vancouver to, uh, well, I guess he went, I think he went all around the world on his wheelchair. Hmm. I haven't actually in, seen the movie, but I figured that was basically what it was about, right? Well, that's not at all what St. Elmo's Fire is about, weirdly oh, enough. Oh, okay. I haven't actually seen it. I just know... No, St. Elmo's Fire is like a, like I don't know, teens doing stuff in the 80s. Oh, that's I think boring. Emilio Estevez is in it? Like, all I've ever either. known about it was the song, so I just assumed it was a, it was a movie about a guy in a wheelchair doing impressive things. No, it's like it's like a uh, it's like a Brat Pack movie. Oh, that's way less interesting. It's got Emilio Estevez, Rob Lowe, Demi Moore, and of course uh, Transformers the movie's oh. own Judd Nelson. I do like oh. Judd Nelson, but that and, that is uh, a lot less interesting than I thought. Directed by of all people Joel Schumacher. <laughs> so there's oh. lots of neon. Yes. Uh, anyway, so yeah, this Burt Reynolds guy once again feels the need. The need for speed, and decides that he's just going to jump this uh, this crap, this destroyed bridge, Knievel style, on his motorcycle. So it does stupid. not work. It's so no. stupid! I don't know why he does this, but it's really stupid. No, but as soon as I saw him, I knew, oh, he's going to jump the bridge. That it, it's going to be an evil Knievel thing. Yeah, which... I was just like. Oh my god, he's gonna, he's, I see a guy on a motorcycle, and yeah, I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna jump it, and then he misses! That was the part where I was like, ah! Oh, it's Devil's Canyon all over again. (sighs) Anyway, so, uh, Heatwave tries to lower his ladder down, it's too far, so Cade climbs down on the ladder, 
He ends up falling off. They both end up in the river, and then there's a waterfall. It's, it's a lot. There's a I, lot going on. Apparently, this island is just covered with waterfalls. We 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 see waterfalls here, and 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 I think next episode too. And we've seen them before. Like, there's a lot of mountain it's, runoff on this island. Griffin Rock has every possible part of type of terrain. There's probably a Griffin Rock desert. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll Griffin Rock way. ice cap. Yeah, it's, it's like it's a it's like a video oh, game. Know. It's just got a yeah. a video game sort of. I don't know. If there's going to be a sewer level. Yeah. I mean, oh wait, possible. this is a sewer level. Sorry. Yeah, Spoilers. The, you, you see the sewer level in this episode. Yeah. I mean, this is probably the result of all the mad science going on there. Like everybody's at, there's just one there's just a bunch of areas where somebody's weather dominator screwed up, so it's just a desert now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> This is entirely accurate. Anyway, they are all luckily saved by uh, Heatwave using his hose as a rope. Yes. Which, so, astonishingly, nobody chooses to call out as a reason why they're clearly not just robots. But that's no. because that's not the point of this episode. No, the point of this episode is cut to Doc Green. <laughs> yeah. And he's all, Marty, you see this tape where, where this guy went off the uh, went off the bridge? It would be much better. If he actually had a motorcycle that became a water cycle. Which is definitely one yeah. takeaway from from that entire incident. I think maybe the better takeaway would be don't try to jump over a fallen bridge on your yeah, motorcycle. It, it, Doc Green is wonderful in it, like he's constantly solving problems that don't actually exist. And then causing problems. Yes. Yeah absolutely causing additional problems yeah so he this is the turbo cycle hmm. which is it, yeah. maybe not a good title but it's a neat looking design of a, like a three-wheeled uh, scooter that becomes a sort of a ski do well i believe i believe that's also the name of uh prowl's action master vehicle Ah. Oh. The turbo cycle. It also just, I don't know, it looks kind of dumb. It looks like a scooter. It does look like a scooter. Like a Vespa sort of. Tron wheel scooter. I mean, it it, it has three wheels. It's a Tron Vespa. It's just like a Tron Vespa. You you just rented this turbo cycle to the Punisher. Kiss that baby goodbye. (laughs) Anyway, so Cody immediately says, well, you know, I'll, I'll test this because I'm the star of this show. But Doc <laughs> yes. Green's, oh, it's, t- it's too late, Marty. I've already offered it to, to Cade, your brother. Except more LeVar Burton. Yeah. Yes, I, I can't really do a LeVar Burton. So I, from this moment there on, I will just be doing my bad Christopher Lloyd. That's fair. You, bad Christopher you Lloyd got me easy. on this by... We've already mentioned Christopher Lloyd on this episode, thanks to Star Trek Three. So it's yes. just going to happen. There's well, nothing yeah, we can do about it. You, you just have to switch instead of saying Marty, Cody. You, you just saying in the same intonation, it, it sounds <laughs> close enough. Cody, you need to help me. You have to help me save the DNA of my heart, which is a thing that Doc calls his daughter. <laughs> DNA of my heart. Which, yes. I mean, it, it's kind of an adorable way of saying your offspring, your child, but. Coming from Doc, it's it does also raise like, questions again. She's not really my daughter, Cody. I grew her. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's literally made from the DNA. I thought maybe I'd need the organs of a scraping of your heart. <laughs> That's right. 
I, I put a. Have you seen Pulp Fiction, Cody? I had to use a big needle. Oh, no. Cody, where's my black medical book? Kids, don't watch that movie. <laughs> Ask your parents. <laughs> yes. Anyway, Cody's like, you know, I'm I'm much more responsible than Cade, my brother, who is a known jerk. Yeah, which I uh, mean, course, Cade comes jerk. in. Cade comes in acting like a spoiled man child. So yeah. As a well, yeah, but remember that time I gave you my fusion-powered water gun, which really is more of Doc Green's problem than Cody's. <laughs> because why would anybody even have a fusion-powered water gun? Fusion, like, no, no. I, I mean, it, it's uh, still having fusion things in, in this day and age is weird. Like it was an '80s and '90s gag of mad scientists, but seeing something is a fusion thing now, it's like. That's unregulated. This this is as dangerous as what? a proton pack. We need to get the EPA in here. Well, I mean, speaking of uh, Doc Brown, uh, Mr. Fusion. Yes. Yes. Well, again, 80s. Thing. I just have to dump this garbage into my car. Just make everything fusion-powered. It'll be fine. Yes. Nothing not bad could possibly works. come of it. Anyway, so Frankie, ever helpful, is all, hey... Why don't uh, why don't we why don't we have Cody prove that he's mature by looking after your other invention, the Robo Baby? <laughs> Cut to Robo Baby. Robo Baby is it's it's definitely a Robo Baby. Yeah, it, it's yes. appropriately named. It is uh, yeah, it is a vaguely terrifying robot baby. It, it, it's... it's slightly adorable, but also slightly horrifying. Like. The head is is like a globe with it with a rounded TV screen where the little face and expression is, which is kind of cute. But like mm-hmm. the proportions are very baby like in his little little grubby hands, it, and and he does everything, everything an actual human baby can do. Yes, everything. Cody, I built a robot that poops. <laughs> yes, literally, yes. <laughs> You don't want to know what it's made out of. And the poop smells. Yes. Made it smell. But the important thing is it's in a little floaty baby Yoda little carrier thing. Yes. Yes. It is the child. I, I, I would like to see the child. This is a child. Please bring him closer so I can examine the child. Leave him in. Do not take him out, you cowards. Ah. Oh, <laughs> He's so good in that. I like how multiple people on that show suggest that uh, Werner Herzog is actually planning to eat him. <laughs> I mean... I mean, you, you look at Werner Herzog, that, that's a guy who'd eat a, an alien baby. <laughs> yes. it's, it's his accent. It, it's so many bizarre implications <laughs> with, with that, that cliched, horrifying Eastern European accent. Anyway, so... Doc Green says, listen, so you take care of this robo-baby for, uh, you know, for a little while while Frankie and I are going to the mainland, and then I will decide that, that you are responsible enough to test my turbo cycle. And that disproves one of my fan theories, which is that uh, this island is actually a prison for rogue super scientists, and that Doc Green is exiled there for his crimes against science. Nope, as it turns out, he is allowed to leave. At least we don't know what supervision he has at the time. <laughs> oh, he's got he's got one of those ankle bracelets. It goes off if he starts doing science. We 
We see Frankie coming back from the island on a, on a phone. We don't actually see Doc Green at that time. He could be under armed guard or or in like a heavily <laughs> armored car or something. Oh, and he, just like Hannibal Lecter. Yes, one of those. It, it's like Con Air, but it's a fairy. He's on there with like Cyrus the Virus and uh, <laughs> and John Malkovich and um, Steve Buscemi. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This guy. This. Yeah. This guy is. Uh. He's. He's Doc Green. You don't want to know what he did with all those test subjects. <laughs> oh, Nick. Nick Cage's hair flowing in in the ocean breeze. Uh, so anyway, so it turns out that this is stock cartoon plot number fifty-seven. Protagonist must take care of surrogate baby. You know, at, yeah, at it, least it's a robot baby. Now, I this I don't think this is a thing in Canadian high schools. Is this a thing where you guys had to like look after a sack of flour or an egg or a robot baby? I, I don't feel like this was a boomer thing. Mm. Like I feel like this was a thing they made you do in the sixties and maybe the fifties and sixties. They did not do it when I was in school, which is okay. for the best because even by then I was like, I don't think this is a thing I want. Maybe because of episodes <laughs> like this, I was like, <laughs> having a child seems terrible. Why would anyone yeah, I do this? Yeah, I am I, I'm I, opting I, out. I'm going to have some sort of mishap with A.C. Slater and that we flower everywhere. Yeah. Or, no. you know, baby guts. But I yeah, think I've... it might have, might have still been a thing in my... Somehow, like, it was a thing I remember hearing of, but I never did it, so... Maybe it was just an older thing, like an old rumor of the school. I don't know. Yeah, I feel then like again, it's I something Then again, I skipped biology, that... so... <laughs> I feel like it's a thing that maybe people used to have to do, but don't actually anymore. Yes, it clearly is a thing that oh, hey. happened at one point. Okay, Boomer. Well, apparently you still have to do it in the future, because the, there's also an episode of Batman Beyond. Oh, that does it. oh, yeah. I think with a robot baby. Oh, yeah, because I was trying to think of another example where it is a robot baby. Like, I tried to look actually in Sentai for an example of a robot baby, because I was sure it's like, there's got to be a robot baby in some episode of Sentai. But I, I didn't, <laughs> I did, I couldn't find one where there was a robot baby that the, the heroes had to handle. There's, um, in O-Ranger, one of the villains is a robot baby who grows up into a robot, or a robot small child that grows up into a robot monster <laughs> teenager. Mm-hmm. So so Cody takes this robot baby back to the fire station. He's all, hey, uh, listen, rescue bots, why don't you help me take care of this robot baby? He's really hamming it up, too. He's like, look how cute it is. So he's he's selling it. He's selling it pretty good. I mean. And it works for three quarters of them, but Heatwave is all abomination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, he, he literally calls it a sparkless machine repeatedly. So yeah, he's yes. not he's not like a I mean, he's unimpressed. I don't know if I would say that he's like morally offended by its existence, but he is absolutely I don't know, like, not having any of this. So of course, naturally, spoilers, the baby likes him best. Yes, yeah, like cat. He, it's like with people that don't like cats to a degree. Although yes. I I do very much agree with him that the babies are sparkless machines. I mean, I can get behind that that idea. <laughs> Anyway, unfortunately, while they all really love the baby, they're all very bad at taking care of it. 
I I think it's absolutely predictable that Blades likes it most, and also Blades indicates that he has leftover pizza in his cockpit. Yeah, cockpit pizza is like which, a horrifying Danny, thing. please. I mean, it's not like Blades left it in there. It's Danny, please. Cockpit oh, pizza is just... People. Clean up the interior of your friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not great. But yes. He's get, the, like, mice in him. The baby is hungry, <laughs> and, and he suggests that he has some, some leftover pizza in his cockpit. Like, and, poor guy. and Bold, I guess Boulder says, you know, he's gonna, he knows where he have to find some milk, and I really expected him to come back having like stolen a cow. <laughs> yes, I yes. was so surprised that there was no cow, like shocked. No. <laughs> no. Instead, he tries heating up a bunch of cartons of milk with a blowtorch, which does not go well. <laughs> no, it it goes about as you would expect. It, somehow it explodes. I don't. Well, if it's milk heated up, it's going to expand. I guess if it's superheated, maybe it, like, rapidly boiled? There's, yeah, but there's, like, so much char, like, and there's a puff of explosion you can see in the background. It's, what? Yes. <laughs> so, so they, they, they do find a bottle. How get milk they, for it to become flammable? Yeah, they, they find a bottle, it throws up on blades, who <laughs> does not understand what vomiting is. He thinks that it's trying to share the milk with him. <laughs> yes. yes. He's so good. He's like, all it wants to share with me. And Cody's like, you should probably go wash that off, Blades. And also it came with instructions, with, and Chase is the only one who reads them, because of course he does. Yeah, <laughs> yes. That is extremely Chase. And luckily he also finds a vulcanized waterfowl. Yes. <laughs> yes. A rubber ducky, which the baby does not like, hucks into a sink... Ends up sucked down the drain, clogs a pipe, bursts the sewer, and causes a massive sinkhole. This town <laughs> is just constantly teetering on calamity. This, I yeah, feel it, like it, this it, escalated quickly. I feel like yes. that, that is a very, that escalated quickly moment. Yes. Uh, Ron Burgundy dot gif, that as, well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> yes. Yes, one little rubber ducky that has been around for millions of years manages to destroy the uh, infrastructure of the town <laughs> in minutes. Uh, it was all part of Megatron's uh, ultimate plan yes. to, uh, to destroy humanity. <laughs> yes. Well, plan A, get rubber ducky, uh, something, 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 get a giant mechanical griffin. <laughs> yes. No, no, the other Megatron. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Unless he was inspired by the message from Megatron on the golden disc to leave this rubber ducky. Maybe. Yeah. To eventually ruin some Autobots day. <laughs> uh, anyway, it is at this point that Chase attempts to sing a lullaby and is extremely bad at it. <laughs> it's not Which, good. I'm not even going to try it. But also, he I'm, takes issue with having uh, a baby in a treetop uh, that, that's dangerous. Yeah. That's, that's against child safety regulations. Oh, yes. He stops the song to say, which I do not approve of. It, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> yes. His singing isn't as bad as Crested Ibis, but it, it's, <laughs> yes. it's a thing. It, it's more just shout talking. Yeah, he, he's he's real. He's, if he was a little more melodical, he could uh, be in a, a B-52s cover band. Yes. 
I do feel like if one wanted to super nerd out at this point, one could, like, extrapolate from here what Cybertronian music must be like, but I'm I'm not going to do that. Oh, yeah, that, like, Cybertronian art comes up, but I can't remember. I don't know that we've ever actually experienced. Yeah. I mean, there are guys who are musicians. Well, there's the uh, the Knights of Unicron. Yeah. That, uh, yes. SDCC exclusive. And, and Jazz just likes music, but he likes Earth music. I don't think he ever shares an example of Cybertronian music in any series. That's... Right, well, I mean, that's why oh. he names himself Jazz and not, you know, uh, you know, Gleep Gloppian Minuet or whatever. <laughs> yes. That's mm. a thing to look up. Music from Cybertron at some point. Meat Morps. Meat Morps. Anyway, they finally do get this baby to sleep by using Blade's rotors as a mobile. Yes, and that makes Blades very happy, because he's a good boy. Unfortunately, the alarms go off because this uh, sewer breakage has caused a massive sinkhole that has threatened to consume the entire bank. Oops. Yeah. And as Heatwave says, finally, some leakage that isn't baby-related. <laughs> and yet it is. So well, still, more. it's... A better kind of leakage, even though it involves the sewers. Yes, not directly yeah. baby-related. Baby-adjacent. Yes. <laughs> so they, they, they've they all got to roll out to the rescue. Roll to the rescue. They've got to, uh, you know, some uh, some guy has been stranded inside the uh, the bank. I think it's the, uh, it's, it's the, the helipack guy. Yeah, again. if only yeah, he had his helipack guy. here then he would be able yeah. to just fly out. But I guess he probably left it in the back room because he's presumably works at the bank because he's dressed like someone who works at a bank. He looks like a guy who works at a bank. Yes. Anyway, so, so well, uh, a heat wave and uh, Chase are propping this up with uh, girders, which Chase does not approve the theft of. No. <laughs> he says, he says, okay, we'll leave, we'll leave a note. <laughs> He eventually concedes to leave a note. He's he's very like, uh, I guess. And so to get into the... Uh, to, so they, they need to shut down the water. So they have to turn off the uh, the city's hydroelectric power. And there's apparently just a button in the command center that does this, which is, again, terrifying. No, it's a big... Yeah, it, so they're it's... switching to their, I guess, emergency backup wind farm, which is a thing. Yes. Uh, they have a one Which big is hidden button. under the ground. It's not just always there. It's hidden under the ground, and then they pop up. But there's a button. It's it's like hydroelectric. There's a water drop, and then there's it's a fan. Water. And he presses the fan. Yes. Button. They would have had to make a whole mechanism for each of these wind turbines to drop it into the ground. And this is just it's it's a lot. You would think that they would be I, running these wind turbines. More often, but I guess I mean, this not. Is, this is Griffin Rock, though. The whole island is a lot. Yes, that is yes. entirely true. And unfortunately, those turbines have lured away the robo-baby. <gasps> so even though they saved the bank, the robo-baby has flown the coop. Okay, so and this, this baby saw these wind turbines on the screen... And was yes. somehow able to understand that those images on the screen correlated to this different location 
Like, my cats I, I don't can't those... even figure out that the bird on TV is not there if you bat at it. Yeah, it... I don't think that's a screen. I think those are just windows. Oh. Well, no, but the, the, the command center is un, is in the basement, is it not? No, I think it's up top. It is? I think the basement okay. is just where the robots live. I thought that's where the command center also was with, with the Cody's big, big giant Batman screen with all the buttons. My My vote is that the command center is in the basement, and this is a video. Because don't they have, like, different angles of the wind turbines coming up or something? I th- yeah, I'm pretty sure it pops up on the screen. Yes, but again, this is this is the same kind of thing where somehow Doc Green has footage of this, uh, <laughs> you know, motorcycle accident at the beginning of the show. Yes. But, well. It's possible he just has this whole island wired up with cameras. I just, I well, I feel, I didn't I think that it was a window. There, was I no. thought it looked like it was a video screen that the baby somehow extrapolated yeah, like the location based on. I mean, it's apparently a very advanced AI, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's got all the intelligence of a baby. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm not sure it even has object permanence. No, probably not. It's very small. It's very baby. Listen, I, I slaved over that defecation technology. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is fairly impressive. That's that's not nothing. I was getting the consistency and odor correct. Yeah. Uh, possibly, for weeks, I was all, Frankie, come down here, smell possibly this. Possibly for weeks. Uh, I mean, it, it. he put a lot into this, as we will find out when he tells <laughs> Doc Green that everything is perfectly fine and nothing is wrong at all. Yeah, because he, uh, yeah, Frankie calls him and says, you know, hey, we're on our way back. How's uh, how's everything going with that robot baby? And he's all absolutely fine. We're all fine here. How are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We definitely didn't lose that baby. That's apparently worth three million dollars. <laughs> I, Cody, I, I powered it with plutonium I stole from the Libyans. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Maybe that's what he was actually going to the mainland for. <laughs> he's just handing over a suitcase full of pinball machine parts. Yes. And that's why he's got to hurry up and get back before they open it. <laughs> just fortunately, they, they do take longer. An, an empty canister that no longer has nanites. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Anyway, so Cody finally figures out what's going on with these uh, with these windmills. and the, But unfortunately, there's so many windmills that they cannot find the baby. Truly, this is Robo Baby's day out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I did think about that. Thankfully, this episode wasn't called that. Uh, yeah, because I, I think Boulder says like there's 187 windmills or something. Yes. Uh, speaking, actually, I think there isn't a later episode where there's there's a giant baby. <gasps> what? Uh, you can't just have a giant baby. Like, I mean, you. Can. Well, it's not normally giant. They're, like uh, Doc Green has like an enlarge and it's like an embiggening. Oh well, yes, of course he does. Honey, I blew it, it, up the it, kid. It, yeah, it's a honey, we blew up the kid situation. <sighs> of course it is. Anyway, so while they can't see it, they can smell it. This baby has befouled himself. <laughs> Heatwave <laughs> manages oh. to detect him olfactorily. And they are tracking him by the scent of his robot poop. <laughs> Again, Doc Green, you, you, there are more important things you could be doing. No, I'm, I'm was, reminded again of that, uh, 
I mean, of that uh, that Spider Man panel where he's talking to where Sauron saying, "But I, I don't want to cure cancer, Spider Man. I want to turn people into dinosaurs." <laughs> yes, I love that. I was like Cody, I don't want to cure cancer. I want to make robot babies that poop. I mean, he did say that he. I'm this okay. Let's. I want to point out the baby was not created for schools to use as a as a project. It was created to gather data on the infant experience. So it needed to be able to do everything an actual baby would do and then like I guess have a heart rate and and all of that for them to to gather data from. So I guess then it is important that the baby have smelly poop. Because, I don't know, maybe he wants to see how the baby smelling its own poop affects its heart rate. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Ha- look at that. Look at that hack sumdac in Detroit. That guy's made a million robots and none of them poop. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as far as we know. Yeah. Well, oh, at least we, we can actually be pretty well uh, assured that Frankie is not a robot. Considering Doc Green's level of robot technology here. On display? Yeah, that's... No, as previously established, she's definitely a clone made from his heart uh, DNA. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I made an X-23, Cody. <laughs> she's also she's also got claws in her feet for some reason. <laughs> Who knows why? Claws that are longer than her feet. How do they do that? Who knows? I... Magic. Also, when, when they, uh... When it's pointed out that the baby went to the wind farm, Blades was said the baby missed him and that was again very <laughs> cute because blades is the best and of course he can't get through because these these blades are spinning so they and it is about to crawl to the edge so they have to stop it somehow so much much like in robotech the day is saved with the power of song yeah, only instead of confusing aliens who do not understand what is this kiss, it, it's just a distraction to stop the baby from calling. Yet the baby still falls. Yes, the baby well, does yes, still it, fall. The day is not actually yet. saved at all. The baby falls, and and yet again, Heat Wave should have taken another life by catching someone in his giant <laughs> metal hands, which are moving at rapid Maybe. speed, like. Maybe they have like pads in the yeah, palms. Yeah, maybe or they do them specifically. I, the rescue ones. have a softness degree. I mean, I guess there isn't a heavy metal clang, but there is a noise. I mean, I I would like to point out that this is a long-standing issue in Transformers fiction because in I want to say it's like issue eleven or so of the original Marvel comic, Jetfire catches someone who's falling, and it's like. I think someone wrote into the letters page complaining about exactly this. And then someone tried to no-prize it by saying they, like, coated their hands in, like, a soft material. Yes. So this has been a a long-running concern. It's a long-running thing, and I guess guess none of them are as egregious as the first live-action Transformers movie, where Optimus Prime catches... Sam, and did just bouncing back and forth between buildings and cracking his neck in 15 places. <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing. I was going to say nothing is as egregious as the, the first Transformers movie, but that's not fair. It's most of them are that egregious. No, uh, I would say but that there are, are four more. There are, yes, <laughs> that, are, that are more egregious. Yes. 
That one just apologies, Megan Fox. I've reduced <laughs> Sam Witwicky to a fine slurry. <laughs> and nothing of value was lost. Do you have a small bucket? <laughs> Actually, I just watched uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon which is a Shia LaBeouf movie from last year that's actually really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I have not seen that. Um, it's also got um, Dakota Johnson. Fanning? Okay. No, not Dakota Fanning. The one who's the daughter of Don Too Johnson. Too many Dakotas. Ah, the one who is in the Fifty I mean, Shades movies. That's right. Oh, um, and for the uh, for the wrestling fans out there, it also has uh, Mick Foley and Jake the Snake Roberts. Ooh, ooh, okay, that <laughs> bumps it up in my watch list. It it is it's a legitimately good movie, and Shia LaBeouf is actually really good. I I don't know if I've ever seen Jake the Snake act, well, other than wrestling. But I mean, he's kind of just being a wrestler. But uh, anyway, okay. Anyway, the the baby is saved by, of course, Heat Wave, who is. Briefly motivated to express emotion over this thing, but then, of course, has to keep, has to save face and say, oh, it was very irresponsible, you soulless abomination. Yes. So, uh, so the, they, uh, they go back to Doc Green and he's all, ah, the, the, the readings for this robot baby are all over the charts. You passed with flying colors because this baby isn't dead. <laughs> yes. Obviously, you have it's had not, some sort not of dead ex- and I got lots of good data. exciting adventure. <laughs> yes. Every day where I don't kill a child of some sort, it's a good day. <laughs> must, must have been an exciting adventure, possibly involving Joe Pantoliano and Lara Flynn Boyle. <laughs> and, so he, and so Cody is given the keys to the turbo cycle. And Cade is given the keys to the robo-baby for the next week. <laughs> he says, well, we got so much data from it from that one day. Imagine how much data we could get from an entire week. Here you go, Cade. And Cade is like, no. But they don't let him. De- <laughs> they don't let him. And then I was going to say, and the robo-baby was never seen again. But he actually does come back uh, sometime later. I Apparently guess 50 is- episodes later. Wow, I guess oh. it is good to know that Cade did not actually destroy the Robo Baby. No, uh, would you believe it involves an evil supercomputer voiced by Lost in Space's Billy Mumy? I would believe that. Ooh, interesting. Yep. Oh, I also checked the wiki. I would believe anything of the show. Rubber Ducky does come back, or a Rubber Ducky does come back. Hooray! <laughs> Vulcanized waterfowl. Yes. Uh, so yeah, this was this episode uh, raised a lot of questions, and in many places didn't make a lot of sense. But I had fun all the same. I yeah. I don't like babies. I need my children yeah. to be There's large enough, development to, like developed enough to be able to like be people. So I don't know. Babies scare me. This episode I, scared me. I don't even know about that. Yeah, it, it, it very much probably me, cartoons like, like don't this. Like babies contributed. No. <laughs> no babies. No small children who cannot be trusted with robot babies. It, it's no entertaining episode, but, but existential horror of having a robot baby <laughs> that poops. I, I yeah, did a baby like, that's never not a baby. 
It did kind of remind me, though, of something that I was reading recently about how people, like, over, like, excessively anthropomorphize all the robots, like, you know, that you run into at the grocery store and stuff now. Yeah, I I saw things, like, it's... Wait, what? Robots at the grocery store? Some grocery stores do have, like, security robot things. It's, it's weird. My... It may not be that common yet. My grocery store uh, do has... Do you guys sort of... live in the future? We... Yes. I've never seen these. It's just Wait, like... It's I like a maybe five-foot-tall black tower thing on a little, <clears throat> a like, slightly larger four-wheeled... What? Yeah, it's a monolith. It's got big googly eyes on it, uh, and it beeps at you to let you know that it's coming. Have have you been going to the mall from Chopping Mall? Maybe that may be where I get my groceries. Did did they uh, remind you? Did they thank you and tell you to have a nice day? And then they <laughs> shot you with lasers. Yes, blew up your head with a surprisingly good uh, blood. Barbara Crampton there. I mean, it's it's an well, actual thing. It's nice the, the grocery store chain is called Martin's, but it's actually owned by Giant. Just sadly, just giant, uh, and not the giant eagle that we had back in Columbus, which I believe I have mentioned before being locked in a perpetual struggle with Big Bear until it eventually did defeat Big Bear and uh, took over some of its locations. You know, that's extremely strange because there's a Canadian discount store named Giant Tiger. Huh. No, the, but the, the grocery store oh, chain in the D.C. area is just called Giant, which I have mentioned to people especially people from columbus and they've been like giant what <laughs> like you can't just have just be the, the adjective what <laughs> animal can't just be an adjective but but yes there's a robot that wanders around my grocery store which i like to go to because it never really has too much of a line because everyone here goes to walmart like as a matter of religious fealty <laughs> It's kind of disturbing. I kind of wish there was a robot in my grocery store. I I like the idea of humans going back to animism and, and like, making objects into totemic gods, only now they're using ambulatory robots. It's amusing. That was literally the the perspective of this article that I read, which was by, like, a Buddhist. Oh, it might have been the same. Yeah, it might have been the same article. Uh, But basically what I'm saying is... uh, you give somebody a robot baby and they're going to treat it like a real baby, possibly even better than a real baby for some reason, because humans are weird. Uh, humans also, have a robot baby brains. might have cameras in its eyes. It's always watching mm-hmm. you. Well, not this, because they're, they're like, digital. It has, like, a digital face, so it at least is probably not watching you. They did say that the baby was not recording. No. Yeah, they, it, it was taking, because like... They, they did again Poop because and blood pressure and well, because blood being pressure. in in disguise was not at all a point of this episode. They did yes. point out yeah. that it didn't matter if the baby knew that the Autobots were Autobots because it wasn't recording them. It wasn't mm. reporting that information back to its masters. <laughs> huh, so we will be back. Uh, oh wait, um, sorry, uh, David. You're, you're catching up. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. Well, Got myself. Got myself. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Do the thing. And then we have to, I guess, have a, a brief discussion of uh, David Wise. Yeah. D- just, David I just Wise. have one thing I want to say. Yeah, what? Mm-hmm. 
that ties into something that I said back when we were doing Beast Wars. Mm-hmm. But first, David, talk about. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, what is this? My brain just. Hey, QQ Sentai, go go five. Uh, this week, episode eight. Uh, rescue Sentai activity suspended. Um, it's kind of a. It's more more of an episode about the, their dad, their, their annoying science dad. Who I, in this episode I found out his name first name is Mon or his name is Mondo. <laughs> Mondo. It, it's, it's an odd name and it, it doesn't even feel like a Japanese. Well, it fits, I mean it's not. It fits the structure of a Japanese name. It just doesn't. That's fair. It's Mondo the Magnificent or something. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, is he this gets the, into the episode that you shared the screenshot of with the guy named Ligma. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to get to that. Okay, sorry. The, the, most of the episode is about like uh, the the lo- the fire commissioner, fire chief of the town of unnamed, which I'm just going to assume is Tokyo. It may be named, but fuck, I don't know. Oh, I've been cursing. I'm not cursed. Anyway, the the commissioner he gets into a problem because apparently he was an old friend of Mondo, and and he was annoyed that he disappeared for ten years right when he became the commissioner of the fire, and and he says no. You rescue heroes can't do this stuff because you put out a fire before rescuing people, or even though the fire was about to set these people on fire. Whatever, it, it's a whole thing. And there's a, a flash, well, <laughs> a historic flashback that apparently they were both from two separate families in the Edo period that were firefighters, so this is a generational thing. It's been going on a long time. But yes, <laughs> the monster of this episode, which looks like a skeleton football player sort of with spikes all over him is the lightning rod beast Ligma. Well, not really. It's spelled out in the subtitles. But it's actually uh, Rima. It sounds ah. like what they're saying. But whoever was doing the subs did the right job and, and wrote it Lima to Ligma with an H. So it looks like Ligma. So I, I approve of that. It, Ligma balls. Yeah. The tragedy of Darth Ligma. <laughs> there's no reference to balls in the episodes but i really it it gave me a great chuckle that the monster was ligma (laughs) anyway um there is a baby incident in this episode that the evil calamity monsters demon baby named drop that's not a good Um, start he makes a comment well he says a thing, but it's baby talk, and then their butler, Pierre, translate that the baby said, he misses his mother. Aww. Because the entire plot of the demons is that they're trying to resurrect their mother in the giant conjunction of planets that's coming up. But, um, yeah, it, it's about the dad just being a jerk, kind of, although he's not that much of a jerk. He's just trying to do the right thing and rescue the city and the whole planet. As you do. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't talk to people for a decade. It's like, dude, you were like my best friend and friendly rival of a firefighter, and you vanished, and you didn't even talk to your kids for ten years, and your wife's dead somewhere. Eh. Uh, this sounds relatable. <laughs> oh. Happy Father's Day! Oh, when it, when the hell is Father's Day? June. <laughs> yeah. It's June. Oh, June. Never mind. Yeah, June. Anyway, yeah, there's it's the a thing. Off. Yeah, um, yeah. So now we have to talk about um, David Wise, who passed away a few days. Well, when this comes out, it's going to be like a week ago. 
So I made a comment back when we were doing Beast Wars about there being some episodes that still had that very, like, 80s cartoon episode kind of plot. And mm. and the thing about the 80s cartoon episode kind of plot is that most of those were written by David Wise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and he well, passed away the recently. Well, remember by a few, couple of other people from Transformers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably a lot of, I it's mean, like a lot of the, I imagine that there was a of lot the ones of, you can think of first. I imagine these guys hung out basically. <laughs> yeah. Or at least talk to each mm. other, like co-wrote with some of the other people who would write things. But yeah, David Wise has probably reused some ideas more than anybody else. It was kind of his thing. Like, especially, like, the Kremzeek episode. There's an episode of so many cartoons from the 80s and 90s where there's a little electric gremlin-like monster that shows up and I think every single one of them is written by David Wise. Yes. And it's not like they're the exact same episode, but it's a recurring theme. Um, Was the He-Man episode the first one? I think so, yes. I'm looking up. I'm reminded there's a... There, there are books that you see occasionally in the writing books that are like, oh, seven plots that always work. And I just imagine that he, he would have a book like that that would be like, main characters are shrunk down. Electric Gremlin. <laughs> like, <the two laughs> plots that always work. Um, time travel episode? Character is suddenly rendered blind. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah the uh, blind Characters episode. switch bodies. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You gotta have body switch. Yeah, the the blind episode was one of the ones with Beast Wars where I was like, "This is this is an '80s stock plot." Uh, so yeah, whenever I see and and when they yeah. do those books that are like you know how, such and such plots that always work, they're talking about writing like suspense or more vanilla stuff than '80s cartoons. But I just like to imagine one of those that's just for cartoons that's a collection of of stuff that that david wise and the other writers from that period just reused from from show to show which you know i mean they did always work yes uh he did one of my my favorite episodes rebirth which we got to do which i subjected Mm. everyone to yes Uh, but but yeah i i just wanted to comment on that because it reminded me of of what I'd said when we were doing Beast Wars about there being like these sort of things that got reused over and over, and and as it turned out, most of those were written by the same person. So, and of know. course, uh, he uh, he also wrote War Dawn, which is a big Aerial Bots episode. Yes, yes. Didn't he do Search for Vector Sigma too? Yes, he did. Yes. So you know, he he got my boys. He, was, he understood my boys. Oh, yeah, like, a lot of the lore stuff, like, he wrote the, the, what, I forget what the name of the, the one with Alpha Tri, or, no, um, Orion Pax. And well, that is yes, Wardon, which I guess. That is, is Wardon. Okay, right, the aerial Wardon. bots get sent back in time, and then they're dicks, and then also they see Optimus Prime being born. <laughs> it's just Slingshot who's the dick. I forget how that episode happened, because I kind of forget the aerial bots. <laughs> Aww... Oh, you're killing me. But yes, that's that's an Aerialbot episode. But but yeah, look up David Wise on TF Wiki. Look him up on IMDb. And there there are absolutely some episodes yeah. of something well, uh, that 
that you definitely you have to just make sure it's the right david wise there's more than one david wise so there might be confusion at some points but Mm -hmm. most of the if he it's the one that wrote a lot of cartoons in the 80s that's the right one yes there's also a david wise Mm -hmm. composer and Uh, so yeah but that's you know i'm i mean i won't be like he will be missed because he has been retired for an extended period so he's Mm-hmm. been missed for a while but yes. uh, you know it's worth looking up and and in in his memory saying hey i remember that episode and also the time they did that same thing in ninja episode. turtles <laughs> well apparently his first uh first writing credit was for the uh, star trek cartoon in the 70s oh that's right i Ooh. heard about that i think someone on rfc was, he was mentioning like, and he was like 18 or something he was Ooh. the only person who has ever won a writing emmy for a star trek episode wow that is shocking and Wait, it was for that animated which, series episode huh what which episode what the heck uh how sharper than a serpent's tooth did people get oh! shrunk in that one? Or? Oh, that, that's the one with the Quetzalcoatl, isn't it? Yes, it is. is it? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's 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 one of those episodes that like I would catch all the time of that series. Like most series in the eighties, like at in reruns, I would catch like the same handful of episodes, and it was always that one for Star Trek. And man, that's a good weird episode. And I think. Oh, is that the one? Or no, no, that may not be the one with the. There's a Native American crew member. That is on the that one animated series that. Okay, it does show up in things, which I think he based upon another writer, maybe, or oh. or he asked another writer because it's like that character is from a specific tribe, not like a generic. Mm. He's a Native American. Good, yeah, good on is, uh, him, Ensign Walking Bear. Because that is something hmm. that not a lot of people did at that point was actually like talk to the talk to someone from that group and you know especially if it's like someone you're already friends with and not someone you're just hitting up for sensitivity reading uh so that's that's really good to know i I think it was based upon someone i'm not positive about that but yeah but apparently there was also a 70s godzilla cartoon that he wrote for Yes, it was Hanna Barbera. They showed it on yes. Cartoon Network back in the day. Hanna Barbera, you know, with Godzuki. Yes. Oh, that's and one with Godzuki. Okay. Up from the depths, thirty stories tall. Yes. Uh, where Godzilla is voiced by Lurch. That's right, Jet Ted Cassidy. Yes, they they apparently, showed that on uh, Cartoon Network back in the nineties. Apparently, Godzuki is uh, Don Messick, so I assume he just sounded like Scooby Doo. Oh. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. But you know, being a baby, but not Scrappy Doo. That's uh, Row Rodzilla. <laughs> well, no, Scrappy Doo was a different guy. Yes. Uh, I can't think of his name, but he like a noted voice actor of some sort. Right. Yeah. Anyway, we just can't remember. Yeah. So, so David Wise tended to write. In some ways, the same story over and over, but they weren't exactly. He would change details, but it was you know enough what? that, like... He, he got paid for it. And they were fun. You would notice. Well, you would eventually notice. Because, like, like you... I think somebody said, maybe in the forum or something, or our Discord, that, like, when you're watching cartoons as a kid, you would notice, oh, there's a lot of the similar kind of story that would crop up in a bunch of different shows. And it wasn't until later you realized, oh, they were all written by David Wise. <laughs> like it wasn't just the same stories over and over. It was this one guy who actually like like with the the Star Trek episode, he would actually put 
detail and interest and fun into these stories that were kind of the same story over and over. So, mm-hmm. uh, he, he really entertaining and writer. Telling you plots that always work. As I, as I said earlier in the in the channel, I I expressed great disappointment over the fact that even though he wrote uh, the the Clock King episode of uh, Batman the Animated Series, oh, that right. isn't one of the plots he reused. I just wish that every '80s cartoon had just an, a, a guy who is obsessed with clocks somehow inexplicably think, beating the hero. Isn't there? But he did later reuse that there? for like a Mighty Ducks episode, and some there was some other episode oh, of something that? else okay. after that that he wrote that had someone obsessed yeah, with I, clocks. Or, or was it Darkwing Duck? Maybe that sounds like a Darkwing. I remember Duck there thing. was some other episode where there was a Clock King like plot that showed up somewhere, <laughs> but I don't remember. <laughs> He did worse than that. He made me late. Yes. For the uh, Clock King episode alone, he goes down as one of the best cartoon writers in the eighties. Or, yeah, the, was it was that the eighties or the nineties when that was? Oh, that was the nineties. That was uh, like. It was okay. That was the nineties. Oh, I mean, that was, it was after the the Burton movies. Early to mid. Oh, early right, to mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah, when so I was like still in high school. That's why. That's why Catwoman is uh, is a blonde. Yes. And uh, the Penguin, who is otherwise, you know, just sort of, you know, classy, you know. Erudite penguin still has like Danny DeVito flipper hands. Yes. Yeah. But he does not have like black goop coming out of his mouth. No, which is for the best. Thankfully. <laughs> Nor does he spend any time in like a long underwear. No. <sighs> he wrote some some Doctor Who radio plays. Neat. Didn't nice. know that. Yeah. So so we will definitely be covering some David Wise, uh, possibly in an upcoming uh, Patreon episode. And, of course, we have a Patreon. Jen? Uh, We are hosted on iaconunderground.net, which I need to do some maintenance on. Uh, But we have a Patreon set up for hosting and other expenses at patreon.com slash iaconunderground, where we do a special episode every month. Sometimes it's a big new movie. Sometimes it's an older movie. Sometimes it is Kimono Friends, an adorable anime about animal people not at all like Beast Wars, except occasionally <laughs> a little bit like Beast Wars. Uh, and so please join us all here next time when we have a uh, when when we have a holly jolly Christmas in July. But it's March. Yes, uh, we, we will not be doing this in July or at Christmas. So uh, <laughs> the scheduling didn't quite work out for us there. Oh, well. So until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And this train better be on time, Batman. I'm David. <laughs> Couldn't think of an actual clock king quote off the top of my head. Alas. He did worse than that. He made me late. And we got a spring forward tonight. That's right. Reset those clocks. That does mean that whoever's on the overnight shift tonight at work has to work one hour less. Oh, that's something. (laughs) So it's not so much good on the other end of it, though. (laughs) When the person has to work an hour longer.